Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where our community, known as Kensington Unitarians, meets each week for worship. We are a gathered community, and we are gathered of all those who come to our doors, here on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. And we all arrive in different conditions, in different frames of mind, and we bring our own beliefs and thoughts with us here, and we create a safe space where we can share and grow and think and love together. So whether this is your first time here or whether you've been here a thousand times, welcome home. Just a heads up, um, Margaret's going to be here a little later today for the singing workshop, so it's happening, and she'll be here towards the end of the service around 12.30. But let's open with some words from Margaret Kipe. As surely as we belong to the universe, we belong together. We join here to transcend the isolated self, to reconnect, to know ourselves, to be at home, here on earth, under the stars, linked with each other. Sarah and Jane are both at the Unitarian Summer School, as are some members of our congregation. So we hold them in the light as they're there learning together. My name is Tristan Jovanovic. I've been a member of this congregation for several years, and occasionally I'm allowed to lead worship. This morning we light our chalice with, the words, from the, with words from the Rwandan Unitarian Church, and this is the International Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist Chalice Lighting for this month. We light this chalice in union with those who are suffering because of their belief, because of poverty, of sickness, unemployment, persecution, exile, or prison. For the absent, for those who are dying, to those burdened by work, May love, joy, and peace reign in the world, and may freedom and tolerance be our virtues. Creative spirit, source of life and love, mother and father of us all, we give thanks for the beauty of this day and for the company of those assembled here. Thank you for the breezes of change, clearing our heads and bringing fresh ideas. May they cleanse our minds and the oppressions and isms that divide us. Thank you for the flame of hope, the heat of righteous anger, the warmth of compassion and the fire of commitment. May they bubble the cauldrons of transformation. Thank you for oceans of love, rivers of connection, tears of relief, and pools of serenity. May healing waters flow over us and through us and among us, wearing down the sharp rocks of despair to bring joy in the morning. Thank you for the good earth beneath us around us and within us, 
May we take this clay and co-create a new realm of justice and beauty. Thank you for all these things and more. We accept our gifts and commit to building, sculpting, painting, singing and dancing them to life, to abundant life. So may it be. Blessed be. Amen. I'm going to do something slightly controversial and on the fly change the first reading. On my way here, I was flipping through the book that I had chosen this reading from and came across one that I had never noticed before. I don't know why. I thought, well, that one works a lot better. So, this is A Pathway Home by Robert Faber. The theme of the General Assembly I attended several years ago in Phoenix, Arizona, was interfaith cooperation. It may, well as, may as well have been called intrafaith cooperation, because everywhere I went, I met people who called themselves Unitarian Christians, Unitarian Buddhists, Unitarian Humanists, Unitarian Pagans, Unitarian Jews. But not many people who called themselves simply Unitarian. Why not? I think that particular term is simply not meaningful enough. I personally belong to a faith community that defines itself as both Unitarian Universalist and Christian. My Christian identity is of a vital importance to me. It informs me of who I am and what I believe in. By the same token, I am also a Unitarian Universalist because I believe that revelation is not sealed. I choose to associate with people who are also searching for answers in other faith communities. The question this raises is, can I be both? How can I be both a Christian and belong to a larger movement that is largely not Christian? I don't have a clear answer, but I know that it's possible. I am 100% Christian, 100% identified with the larger church, part of the body of Christ. I am also 100% Unitarian Universalist, 100% identified with both my local church and the larger Unitarian movement. Is this impossible, an inherent contradiction? Absolutely. But is it true? Yes. My path has been a long one. I left a Presbyterian church at an early age when I could no longer believe or understand what it was trying to teach me. The idea of the Trinity was, in my mind, at best, a misguided concept, at worst, nonsense. I stayed away from institutional religion until I was close to 30. I wanted to find a spiritual community that I could call home, and I found that community amongst Unitarians. Being in a religious, a liberal religious community gave me the freedom to search for answers, unbound by an expected creed or set of beliefs. And I found that the answer for me was Christianity. But it was a new type of Christianity, which does not dwell so much on the divinity of Jesus as it does on who he was as a man and the message he preached. Jesus offered a radical challenge that was both impossible to meet and impossible to ignore. He preached that God is love, a love so overpowering, so overwhelming, 
that we are called even to love our enemies and, through that process, turn them into friends. This is the message that Jesus proclaimed, that he lived and died for. So Unitarianism was, for me, the pathway back. No doubt I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Ironically, the longer I've been associated with this community, the more conservative I've become. So now I can say I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, not God, but a Son of God. I believe in the resurrection, and I believe that I am saved by grace. Most Unitarians have different spiritual paths, but we've all found a home in this movement. In the end, we are all on the same journey, a journey to ultimate meaning. I'm going to read some words now by David on ranking, which will take us into a period of silence, which will be followed by some relaxing, reflective music for us to listen to. So I invite you to put down anything that you don't need for the next few minutes to maybe put your feet on the floor or focus on the candles. Whatever you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable and present and relaxed here. An honest no is a glorious statement. Doubt is the expression of faith in the intelligence and imagination of humanity. Doubt is the expression of humanity about the capacity for errors and mistakes. Doubt is the expression of wisdom when popular and rewarding truths are wrong. Doubt is the expression of confidence that knowledge can always be improved. Doubt is the expression of courage in confronting the dangerous and destructive. Doubt is the expression of hope that a better world is waiting for the future. Doubt is the expression of harmony with the unceasingly changing universe. Doubt is the expression of certain for the proper integration of thought and experience. It is not evil, but good, an intrinsic element of faith.
The second reading is taken from a book called Living the Questions, which is almost a primer on liberal Christianity. And it's also a series of videos, and churches can buy these videos to share with their congregations, and it sort of works out as this great long lesson plan. And I thought it was quite an interesting book to read, um, certainly. And there are clips from some of the videos on YouTube. So if you wanted to see some of the people in it talking, they're all remarkably interesting and certainly worth listening to as well. This is from a section called Believing versus Relationship. When the missionary, John Patton, tried to translate the New Testament into the indigenous language of the people of the New Hebrides, he ran into a snag. There was no word for belief in the people's language. In the midst of his work, one of the natives came in and draped himself over a chair. He stretched out and rested his legs on another chair. Relaxed, he commented how good it felt to lean his whole weight on the chairs. Immediately, Patton knew he had the word he would use for believe, lean one's whole weight on. Similarly, the Greek and Latin roots of the word believe mean to give one's heart to. Believing isn't necessarily limited to giving one's mental assent. It suggests something deeper, something that asks for our whole selves. In our friendships and relationships with significant others, we don't believe in the other person, at least not in the same way that people talk about believing in God. Instead, we're in a dynamic, fluid relationship. We depend on one another. We learn to give and take, to make an effort to get to know others and spend time together out of sheer enjoyment. Believing doesn't mean putting your allegiance in with a set of doctrines or teachings. It means moving from a second-hand religion of following rules to a first-hand religion of relationship, from having heard about Jesus to being in a dynamic and fluid relationship with the Spirit. The day of Christians living in fear, intimidated by some vague sense of guilt that the Creator is waiting to punish, is obsolete. We have something other than fear to lean our weight on. But what is Christianity without right belief and the fear of punishment for doing wrong? A criticism often leveled at Jesus and other liberals has been, you tolerate everything but intolerance. In fact, people of liberal faith cannot tolerate injustice, abuse or exploitation, and are actively committed to eradicating evil in all its forms, including hatred and discrimination and violence. The heart of this religion is compassion, hospitality, and a posture of welcoming the outsider, not because these things are politically correct or trendy, but because such behavior was modeled by Jesus, who always put others before the rules. Ron Buford wrote, he saw what they needed, and no matter what law he had to break, if he had to break a law in order to make that person whole or make their lives better, he did it. 
Jesus was about moving beyond belief to relationship. And so I now ask the question, what does being here mean to you? Really, what does it mean? It might mean community. It might mean worship. It might mean quiet time to ground yourself before or after a busy week ahead. There are as many reasons for being here as there are of us. One thing we have in common is that none of us was asked to check his or her brain at the door. As we just read, people of a liberal faith, we champion reason and thinking. We might chafe against the words belief and faith. We might use them just because we can't find another good one. And we say, if it doesn't make sense, why should we believe it? But that's not what a lot of people look for in church. People go to church looking for a quick fix because it's what our culture encourages. Instant gratification, instant results. I've worked in fitness for a very long time and I know there is no such thing as an instant result. I know there's no such thing as a guaranteed result. Any promise of an instant result is advertising and they want your money. And if it doesn't work in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, the average person, the average gym goer gives up. And the, but the current time allows that and it challenges our mode of reason. Fake news, adverts, social media, everything is so fast, so flat, so immediate and so false. There are now alternative facts, and I shudder when I say this, evidence-based medicine. But I remember when facts were facts, and medicine was a science. And when I was younger, I knew the virgin birth was impossible, bodily resurrection didn't make sense, but I was asked to stand before God in the morning and look at the cross and say that I believed those sorts of things to be the foundation of my faith, but they weren't. And so that was one big reason why I decided to leave traditional Christianity behind. It was too easy. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to believe in something that some other people had worked out for me a very long time ago in a very different place. It had nothing worthwhile to say about the modern world to me, about the plethora of other faiths around me, and certainly nothing positive to say about my sexuality or my relationship. In one breath I was told how God had created me, and in the next that something was wrong with me. Instead, I decided to believe in a kind of God who changes. Not a fickle God who rolls dice and decides to murder people because they haven't worshipped him in quite the right way. Instead, a God who is both in the world and in our hearts, who is beyond us and within us. And I decided to say no, 
No, I do not believe in the virgin birth. No, I do not believe in the bodily resurrection. No, I do not believe that Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph and Mary, is the only son of God. And I decided to live a faith of questions. And I asked myself, what would a world be like where we are all sons and daughters of God? What would a world be like where God is love and we stand on the side of love? What would the world be like with a sanctuary for all and not just a few? Maybe it would look like something Jesus would want. I am still and will always be a Christian. I discovered as I was looking at materials for this, a really cool website called Jesusm, which sort of says all of this, but in a very groovy looking way. But apart from being a Christian, I find value in the writings of the ancient Stoics. I practice Reiki, and those things help me frame the world. In doing this, to riff on the words of John Shelby Spong, I tried to get away from a theistic, supernatural God who stripped me of my humanity and instead turned to a God who permeates my life so that through being human, I can see the divine. I am what Bishop Spong would call, or I am in what he would call, the Church Alumni Club. But I am happier now than I ever have been I grew up in a church that valued biblical literalism and saw God as this external agent who kept attendance records, which I always thought was interesting, and also wrote things down in a big book. I then moved to Unitarian Universalism and the Anglican tradition, which was all fine in the United States, but the Anglican tradition is very different here. My experience of God does not translate in the Church of England. But in this community, in the community of Unitarians, in the Religious Society of Friends, I am allowed to believe as I can and given the space to think. Now, I have included on a little green sheet in your order of service the eight points of progressive Christianity. And these are from a website called progressivechristianity.com. There's a similar network in Britain as well, and I find these very valuable. I kind of said I don't like creeds, and I really don't, but I like a good set of principles. So I will read through them in brief and then develop my thoughts on them. Progressive Christians are likely to believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of life affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and openness and oneness of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Seek community that is inclusive of all people. And it goes into detail, just to be clear, what all really means. Know that we be, the way we behave towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. Find grace in the search for understanding and believe that there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. Strive for peace and justice among all people. Strive to protect and restore the integrity of our earth and commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion and selfless love. My own faith, which 
has been cobbled together like the house that Jack built since I was a teenager, hangs very much on these eight points. I also realise that these things may mean little or nothing to some of you, so allow me to speak about them very, very personally. The teachings of Jesus are profound, and they should develop in meaning as we develop as individuals. We cannot get stuck in the trap of Jesus remaining the Good Shepherd from the Sunday School posters. The teachings are worthy of great study, adult study, and I know that these teachings, as precious as they are to me, are just one experience of the divine. Personally, I love the teachings of the Buddha, of the Stoics, as I said, of Makao Usui. My life would not be complete without these other expressions. I see absolutely no reason why every person should not be fully included in the church. I can't say any more about it than that, because how we treat each other as it says, shows what we believe, both individually and as a community. As soon as we exclude a single person because of who they are or what they are, we stop living out our mission. I also believe that faith without doubt is a very fragile thing. I knew some people growing up who had absolutely no doubt about what they believed. And if they did, they were not going to admit it at all. But I've discovered as I've grown that if people don't question what they believe, they often have a faith that will collapse at the slightest touch. It's like a house of cards. And I don't believe at all that we should be afraid of digging and sifting through our lives and through our thoughts and through our spirits. Because if we don't dig and sift, how do we find the gold? As a people of faith, we can be a model for peace and justice. It comes back to how we treat each other and how we treat the stranger. It is also demonstrated in how we treat the planet. We have no other home. I'm continually sort of surprised and amazed that some people seem to think that climate change doesn't matter because it hastens the destruction of the earth and thus the return of Jesus. And it, it confuses me, and I sort of want to shake them and say, you know, the kingdom is among us now. It's not something we're waiting for. And certainly we don't all need to die in a great fire to have it. The last point is perhaps the most significant, because I think that it is here where progressive Christianity and liberal religion as a whole can really triumph. We never stop learning or questioning. We read, we discuss, we think, and we are free to change our minds. And here I rely on the words of Isaac Pennington, an early Quaker. Our life is love and peace and tenderness and bearing with one another and forgiving one another and not laying accusations against one another, but praying one for another and helping one another up with a tender hand. If we can't do that, then we are truly defeated. But I believe that love and peace and learning can define us. With these things, the heart triumphs.
Amen.